Hello, and welcome back to the next iteration podcast. Today's episode is something I've been thinking about a lot recently, especially with the whirlwind of FOMO and other things that accompanies the new year with people doing exciting trips and things like that. Um, and the topic is saying no, kind of like essentializing your life. Um, you know, how can you focus on the things that actually matter in your life and not get caught up in this like whirlwind of like keeping up with the Joneses and, you know, having the most exciting life ever and like feeling like you're missing out on things, but rather like focus on the things you want to take out of life and saying no to the things that don't bring you joy. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can have a county conversation on this. Uh, I know Damien and I have both experienced intense feelings of FOMO, whether academic, professional, or interpersonal in the past. And so, yeah, I think, I think it'll be a good conversation. So without further ado, let's get started. You are now listening to the Next Iteration Podcast with your hosts, Fuad and Damien. If you liked the episode, follow us on Spotify and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Our website was built by Face Solutions, logo designed by Charmeni, and music by Wonderly Music. We hope you enjoy the episode. So, welcome back, first and foremost, to the Next Iteration Podcast. And we're talking about essentialism today. So what is, or just saying no, like what, what is that, right? Just diving into that a bit more. And I think according to my notes, you know, it's in essence, it's essentially an essential way to ensure that as an essentialist, you ensnare only the most essential elements of your existence, essentially. Very nice. Yes. Is that right? That's right. <laughs> that is that is exactly right. And you know, if you're using the word 10 times as a definition, it's a hard word to define. So let's unpack that a little bit. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Um, so I think Greg McOwen has like a pretty good interpretation of this and i read his book like a while back and i obviously have not been putting into the you know <laughs> to practice the lessons i learned from that book so maybe it's due for a reread uh but greg mccohen famously wrote essentialism the disciplined pursuit of less i think that subtitle is like a pretty good like, capture of it but in the book he kind of defines it a little bit more and it's essentialism is not about how to get more things done it's about how to get the right things done it doesn't mean just doing less for the sake of less either. It's about making the wisest possible investment of your time and energy in order to operate at our highest point of contribution by only doing what is essential. Yeah, that's that's the definition that Greg McCohen describes to and I tend to describe to too. Um, I think essentially the, the concept is, you know, there's a lot of shit going on. And if you say yes to everything and you're just a yes man and your attention is caught in a million different places, what you end up doing is not making progress on anything. And there's an intense productivity, efficiency gain, but also like fulfillment that comes with focusing on the things that give you energy and focus and pursuing them like relentlessly. Um, and so, yeah, that, that can apply to a lot of different things, right? That can apply to how do you enjoy your weekends? That can apply to what projects do you work on at work that can apply to what career you have in general. Right. And it's something that is hard, especially when there's a lot of opportunities in front of you. And I think Damon and I are in a position where, you know, we went to like a good school, we got a university education that already puts us like in a place of privilege, like vastly superior to a lot of people on earth. And that's something we're very cognizant of, but with that comes a lot of opportunity and choice. And that choice can introduce, you know, the idea of like not having that essentialism, right? So yeah, um, yeah, let's talk about it. So Damien, what's yeah. been your experience with essentialism? No, I, I agree, but I think there's stages to it too. Like if you're really early in your career, if you're really young, 
I think the better play is to, and this is just my own opinion, my own experience, mm-hmm. but just say yes to any and all opportunities that arise just to start. Mm-hmm. It's hard to kind of get that engine started when you're, you're earlier on in your career. So by yeah. leveraging any opportunity that comes your way, you're able to start building more of a skill set and a, a toolkit to be able to leverage um, in the future. Right. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I think it's better to kind of just curb essentialism a bit, a bit, if that's cheating or not, I don't know, but I think it, it definitely helps in that sense. And then eventually, you know, you keep saying yes, you keep saying yes, you built up this tremendous breadth of experience, and then you will find that you start to get to a point where, okay, I'm starting to burn out. Maybe I should pump the brakes a little bit. And I think that's where essentialism really starts to kick in, right? So you will be a little bit older by that point, presumably. And Mm -hmm. that's when you start to be able to uh, realize that privilege of being able to say no to things. And by this point, hopefully through the experiences that you've already had, you've learned a little bit more about yourself, you know, like Mm -hmm. in being able to have a better North Star to your values, your mission, the things that you really want to accomplish in life by having a concrete answer to those you are able to better have better judgment when it comes to like the opportunities that are coming your way and what you want to say no to so i i agree i think in that sense less is better because you're choosing on what the right things to work on are and it goes back to the i can't remember somebody maybe it was Derek Sivers, but i remember i was uh, listening to perhaps a podcast or reading a blog post on the power of constraints in your life. And I think it this ties into constraints as well. By constraining yourself to only the most high impact things that you can you can possibly do, you're able to realize your own potential a lot, a lot more because you're only focusing on the things that you're passionate about. So those are going to be naturally the things that you are willing to put more effort towards, and it's going to feel like less of a, of a pain along the way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just been my experience so far. So um, I've, I'm starting to get to the point where, okay, like people are pitching projects to me and I'm starting to say no, but mostly still saying yes. So I still have some time on my hands and I'm lucky to be able to choose projects in that way. Um, but yeah, it's, I've definitely felt the pain of committing myself to something that I really did not enjoy doing. And oh my God, bro, that, that burnout is just, it's real. Like burnout okay. is so yeah. real. I can't even imagine. Yeah. It's one thing to be burnt out from doing the thing you love. It's another thing to be burnt out from doing a million things that you don't love. Right. So yeah, I rewinding it back to your point. Absolutely. I think it's like a staged issue. It's not like you wake up from birth and you're like, okay, this is my one fucking passion. I'm going to go all into it. Right. Like you, there is a huge process and like timing to this. And I definitely went through that exploration phase as well. And arguably I'm still in the exploration phase. I'm still doing like a million things and I'm still like trying to figure out like what I want to focus on. And I think it's very, very important to have that exposure. We kind of talked about this, like, I think it was the episode on patience and like being your, the question was like, Oh, like, what are you like willing to be impatient with? And I was like, I'm willing to be impatient with like talking to people and like complimenting people and things like that. And like, yeah, the whole the whole point of me saying that was like, okay, you're increasing your touch points like a million X, right? You're meeting way more people and you're just having way more opportunities. And part of that is like saying yes to a lot of things, like in the same way, like early career, you know, in university, in high school, like whatever, when you're figuring shit out, it is like say yes to everything, like literally anything. And if you don't end up doing that club, you go to two meetings and like you drop out, no one cares, right? Like there's probably a million people doing the same thing. Um, 
And like eventually you pare that down and you get into some focus state and you like understand what are the things that are giving you energy and fulfill you and motivate you and you want to actually dedicate your time to. Mm-hmm. And then it's a matter of like paring that down and further and further and focusing further and further. Um, and actually, yeah, we should we should do a book discussion on range by David Epstein. I think it'll be good. Just like the books on, you know, why generalist triumphs in a specialized world. And mm-hmm. I think this has like a lot of parallels to the essentialism question, right? Like being a generalist versus a specialist, like focusing versus choosing to work on a few different things. Uh, and there are pros and cons to both. And I won't get like too deep into that conversation, but how it translates to essentialism is to be an essentialist, you have to understand what you want to focus on. Right. And you won't understand that until you've gathered enough data points. So that's like a huge part of it. Um, the other thing is like essentialism is essentially the art of making trade-offs. And I'll try to say, I'll try to stop saying essentialism <laughs> is essentially because I imagine that's not translating super well to the listeners, but essentialism is the art of making trade-offs, right? And trade-offs are like an inherent part of life. Uh, but what essentialists do is they see trade-offs as not an inherently negative part of life. Instead of asking, what do I have to give up? They ask, what do I want to go big on, right? What amongst the options here that are all good options do I think deserves my time and energy? Um, and so I think that's like a pretty big distinction to make. And like when I started reframing my conversations around that in my head, it helped a lot. And to sort of pivot the conversation a little bit, um, one thing I struggle with in terms of like saying no, like focusing is definitely like in my social life. Like maybe in my career, I've like been able to pare it down a little bit. Like I went through all those internships and then, you know, found out what I wanted to focus on and then chose like a route and, you know, went headfirst into engineering. Um but with my social life, it's definitely something that I just like haven't been able to like focus on. Like, you know, every time I get an invite to go out, like no matter what it is, no matter what kind of like weird ass activity it is, like I always say yes. And like, that's been like really good in terms of like meeting people and like building my experiences. But I think more recently, especially in the last like couple of weeks, actually, I've been like trying to figure out how I can like start saying no, because I felt myself like not being super fulfilled, even though I was doing like objectively or like you know, to, to the outside world, like a bunch of fun things. Right. Um, and I was like, okay, how does this make sense? Like I'm living the life that like, you know, I think I'm supposed to be living. I'm doing like a lot of cool things that like other people like want to be doing, mm. but it's not actually making me happy and mm. sounds super cliche, but it's really about like, you know, what do I want to do? What makes me happy? Like, do I actually want to go to the club like three days a week or like, would I prefer to like do something else? Like stay at home with the boys? Like, you know, maybe hit a high ache, like stay in for a nice dinner and like cook instead of going out, like things like that. And so, yeah, I don't know. That's just something that's been on my mind recently. Uh, I don't know if you've had to like, kind of experience the same thing, maybe university, university is like a big, like pile of FOMO for sure. Like, it's like, oh, everyone's going to Cabo this spring break or like, oh, like everyone's going to Hass this weekend. Like everyone's going to like, what was that Christmas bar crawl? 12 bars. Oh yeah. 12 bars. Yeah, dude. Like (laughs) things like that were just like piles of FOMO. Like everyone's doing it. You have to do it. If you don't do it, you won't have fun. And then you end up going to all these things and you're like, dude, I'm actually not having that great of a time. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I like, yeah, I want to hear about your experiences with it, but like just one more thought on that. I think like part of it is that like, I don't want to seem like I'm getting old in a way it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, like you don't hit the club three times a week anymore. Like, you're so old, bro. You're 25. Like, okay, well, first of all, I'm 23, but second off, why is that a bad thing? Right? Like how can you adjust to like, or is, is, 
getting old even the thing or is it just you understanding like what you like more uh and i think i have friends who've done this like so well and like i just have not been able to do it that well and i think part of it is that i actually do enjoy doing a lot of these things and so i want to keep some aspect of that yeah but definitely not to the extent that which i, I to which i've been doing it so yeah um anyways with that closing thought yeah i'll pass over the baton to you i want to hear about your experiences with it personally i think they're what you're kind of getting in uh getting towards that uh right there is that there's tends to be this conflation of maturity and getting old right it doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting old if you stop to stop doing that unless you recognize that's really what you want to do right that's just you maturing as a person and yeah i mean like there's there's so much with this right like yeah fomo is a huge thing um i think that's a huge hurdle people have to grapple with especially when it comes to like, it's, it's not even just in school, right? Recently, you know, with crypto NFTs, everyone's seeing this entire space as like a way to get rich quick and they're obsessing over it now. Like FOMO doesn't really go away in that sense. So having strong, having a strong vision and understanding of who, who you are as an individual allows you to navigate the world a bit better in that sense, because I think it goes back to the, the age old idea, right? You can do anything, but you can't do everything. So that's where the essentialism really comes into play. Your experiences will tell you more about that, uh, will help you uncover more about that. And I think I've also started to change my opinion on how I view passion as well. Because um, before, like, again, like maybe it was the folly of youth and young and naive, whatever it may be. But I thought passion was a mandatory thing. Like I had to do whatever I was passionate about or I would just be wasting my life. But at the same time, I've also found that I wasn't necessarily passionate initially about some of the things that I'm doing. It wasn't only until I started learning more about it and getting deeper into some of the spaces that I really started getting excited about it, right? So if you don't give yourself the chance to do that, if you're only using perceived passion as your North Star there, then you're going to be uh, giving up on a lot of potentially really interesting avenues for yourself, some things that would push you to grow in ways that you wouldn't have imagined. So in that way, I think it's better to be an explorer than it is passionate, right? Um, somebody who kind of embodies this to the full extent and uh, touching back on like range and being a generalist over specialist, um, I've been learning more about Leonardo da Vinci recently, right? And I picked up Walter Isaacson's biography on him. And this dude is just such an interesting character. Like there's so many things about him where he would be the weird kid, 100%. If he was growing up today, like he would probably be ostracized for it because people would know what the hell he's doing or what, what, what's going through his mind. Because he he asks seemingly inane questions, things we take for granted, right? Like, why is the sky blue? Um, what, what does a goose's foot look like? Uh, how does a hummingbird tongue look? Or like, how does that work? Right. Like these are just like such random questions. And kids naturally ask questions like this. They're born with this proclivity, but we tend to mitigate it. We tend to tell the kids to like shut up, stop asking so many dumb questions. But these are important questions to ask because it increases our understanding of the world. Right. And it, it maybe it's just because we feel smaller because kids ask us these questions and we realize like, damn, I, I really know nothing about how the world works. Mm. So this it's, it's a bit tangential, but when it comes again, like back to choosing what you want to do, um, I, I think curiosity is a great litmus test for that. Um, I'm just really honestly, truly trying to live up my curiosity. Um, at least for me, uh, 
at, at the risk of comparing myself to Einstein, because I really bear no comparison to him at all, other than in his one statement where he says that I have no special talent. I'm only passionately curious. And I think the curiosity is just the key to unlocking so many other things about you. If you are willing to let yourself just get lost in that curiosity, let yourself get bored, see where your mind goes to. Um, and that that'll help you learn way more about yourself as an individual and live a way fuller life. And I can transition that into the meaning of life, but I'm not going to go there. Um, but we'll save that for another episode. I think that deserves a fatty recording session. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think picking up on your last point, translating that curiosity into curiosity itself is very, very important for like this whole like concept of saying no and essentialism. Like you need to intimately understand yourself in order to understand like what are the things that give you energy and what are the things you want to focus on. Um, and that's just something I've been like doing as a self exercise, like since, you know, since I was in high school, but something I've been like kind of ignoring the past six months because I've said yes to everything and haven't had time for myself. Um, and I think that's really, really important. We had like an episode on journaling. We're not going to rehash that and like explain to you exactly why you should journal, but like picking back up on that idea a little bit, when's the last time you sat down and just, you know, with nothing, maybe a sheet of paper, maybe nothing, just your thoughts and like, try to understand yourself. Like when's the last time you were curious about yourself? When's the last time you were like, oh, do I actually like this? Or is it because someone told me to like it? because everyone around me likes it that's huge do i actually want to do this that's huge or is it because my parents wanted me to do it a long time ago and even if they haven't like told me like consistently like oh you should do this you should do this it's just mm -hmm. like built into my subconsciousness right i had a huge moment like that with grad school actually where i was like dude do i actually want to go to grad school or like have i just been like societally pressured by like both my parents go to grad school all my grandparents go to grad school like my uncle going to grad school like is that just like kind of what I'm expected exactly. to do now that I've achieved this level of success. And even if it's not like conscious, like my mom's like, go to grad school. It's like, that still affects you. Right. So getting mm -hmm. in tune with your personal desires is like very, very, very important because you can't live a script. Somebody else has written for you like forever. Eventually you're going to find a part of the script you don't like, and it's just going to make you miserable. As you're going to realize you walked into something that you just fucking hated. And like, you have to deal with it now because you've made like decisions that, you know, like have drastically altered how you feel about it. Like whether it's in like academics, whether it's professionally, even personally, like, you know, you move in with a shorty and you're like, dude, did I even want to do this? Or was it just like, <laughs> was it just pressure? Right. And like, that's really, really important. And I think, I don't know, I think everyone can benefit from that self curiosity and like trying to understand themselves 100%. a little bit more. I mean, like if you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will. Right. And that's exactly. a key component of essentialism as well. It's just allowing you to prioritize your life better. Do the things that you'd be way more passionate about doing. And one uh, framework I found helpful regarding the like interest piece. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how well it works for everybody, but it's essentially asking yourself the question, if I wasn't able to tell anybody else about this, would I still be interested in this thing? Would I still want to learn more about this thing? And I think that helps you weed out what is it that uh, you're just trying to learn about just so you can flex on other people with, just so you sound smart or, or knowledgeable about whatever, or is it because you're genuinely interested in the topic and you want to dive deeper into it and you just want to explore it to its fullest. So I, I recommend giving it a try. Uh, it, I found that it helps at least for myself. Um, but again, like it might be, I might be falling prey to this uh, fallacy where I'm not 
letting myself get deep enough to get interested in it again, right? So the passion versus the exploration piece. So I'm still figuring it out, but I, I thought it was just a neat little thing that might help people to, to hear about. Yeah, no, definitely. The passion versus exploration piece, like very, very interesting. I don't know. And I also think that they don't need to be mutually exclusive either, right? Like you can find your passion through that exploration phase and maybe your passion is exploration. Maybe you don't have that one passion that's like, oh, you're that violin kid. And like, you just fucking, you know, perform until you're 80 and you die. Like mm -hmm. maybe there is something that like you you're interested in and you'll pursue and then that interest will change and that's totally normal and totally fine and it's about like being in tune with when that interest changes for you um and like understanding how that causes fulfillment for you and yeah i don't know do you have any or like what does your process look like for finding that i think so i was i was telling david before we started this episode i just bought this book it's called who am i psychological exercise to develop self-understanding and you know naturally because I assume that buying something would, would fix my problems. I bought this book instead of, you know, sitting down with a piece of paper, but I actually think that there's some really good prompts here. Uh, and I've been working through them. Uh, for example, they have a section on relationships and some really, really good questions, including what might've been less than ideal in your childhood experiences of love. Ideally, what would you like to learn from your partner? How do you need help to be delivered to you in a relationship? Like things like that. And it's been really, really good for developing that self-understanding. Um, but I'm curious to hear kind of like your thoughts and your advice on like, how do you actually drill down into what you want to know? Because I think a lot of listeners might, you know, understand where we're getting at. Like, oh, I need to be more self-aware to figure out what I want to do. But like, how do you actually get to that point of being more self-aware? Honestly, I think one of the most essential components, and it's for people who haven't done it, it seems kind of tedious, but just self-reflection, like just in, honestly engaging in that practice. It's again, like, I think we all know at the end of the day, how to get that greater sense of self-awareness, but even when it comes to productivity or getting better in life, self-improvement, everyone's just looking for uh, like a get rich quick scheme in that way, right? Like nobody wants to put in the work to lose weight. They just want a fat loss bill. They just want the easy way out, but there is no easy way out of this, especially when it comes to learning more about yourself and in, as an individual, bettering your relationship with yourself you have to put in time, right? Like just like any other relationship in life, you have to constantly tend to it. And I know for a lot of people, we can probably neglect our relationship with ourselves the most because it's a little more invisible to us. It's not like you're engaging in this conversation with somebody else. So go on a date with yourself, right? Spend a night, give your night, light some candles up, maybe get a nice snack, glass of wine, just whip out a journal and just start writing. Just ask what are some good questions? I think it's important to ask the right questions for yourself just as a prompt, but just start writing and see where it goes, right? I'm kind of grasping at straws here because I'm trying to think about what are some good questions to ask yourself as a prompt um, for self-reflection. It's become more of a daily practice now. So I've started doing that less, but I, I have started asking myself a few questions, I guess. I, I, I journal with what did I do yesterday? Um, what am I doing today? Um, what's coming up that I'm excited for and what am I grateful for? I always end the journal. Yes. Yeah, session. Sure. With, uh, with, with some gratitude, right? Like I want to remind myself what are the things that I'm blessed to have in my life. And it just makes me, I think a happier person at the end of the day too. So I'm just wondering, like, do you have any of those good questions to ask yourself or like, what, what's your secret to building greater self-awareness? Yeah. I 
that's that's really good um and i like the ending with gratitude we did an episode on gratitude as well like super super important like super sweet way to like just be like yes like that felt good yeah. and i'm more likely to do this again next time it happens, we right? keep harping on it but like it's only because it is so important exactly exactly and if you're if you're tired of us harping on it you can go to another podcast because we're going to keep harping on it yeah. but, um i think i like your questions a lot but i think one thing i will say is that it for me it's like you know the typical like ask those five levels of whys and like you get really really deep into it so like for uh to use an example i used earlier in the episode grad school i was super unclear about like why w- if i wanted to do grad school who wanted me to do grad school why i wanted to do grad school it's just like okay do you or do you not want to do grad school whatever the answer is and then like drill deeper with like five levels of why it's like why do you want to do it oh because i think it'll be good for my career why would it be good for your career oh because of this is it actually you who thinks it's going to be good for your career or like some you know societal pressures i'm like once you get to like the deepest level of whys, you start uncovering like layers of it. It's like one, one of those whys can be like, oh, actually, like my parents want me to do it. Why do your parents want you to do it? Why do you care what your parents think? Um, and it's like, oh, I care what my parents think because of this. It's like, well, do you actually need to care about that for that reason? Like maybe you're financially dependent on them. Why do you need to be financially dependent on them? Right. Like there's so many levels of deepness you can get to with that why. And I think that's usually how I, how I would try to structure my questions. You start with a subject area. And once you've asked like five or six whys, you like really get down to like what you actually think about it. Not what somebody else wants you to think about it. Not what you've been conditioned to think about it, but what you actually think about it. And so those are typically some of the prompts I use. I also think it's, it's very useful to like look at people you admire. And this is why like biographies and autobiographies you're mentioning you're reading walter isaacson's uh da vinci biography um are super super powerful because uh understanding why somebody else made the decision in life gives you a really clear glass on like how you can reason through that on your own so like one of the most foundational works in my life is malcolm x's autobiography and autobiographies are in particular i think super super powerful because it's literally somebody reflecting on their entire life. Every single step of their life, they reflect on, they're like, why did I do this? Uh, what did this end up like ha- like creating for me in terms of opportunity or regret? Um, how, how did I take advantage of this? Like, how did I do that? And like engaging in the act of self-reflection or even seeing somebody else engage in the act of self-reflection kind of builds that ability and muscle for you. It's like, okay, maybe you can't learn how to ski by like watching someone ski a million times. But like, dude, if you watch someone ski a million times, like, should probably go out there and ski yourself, right? Like, um, and so same thing with like biographies and autobiographies, just like the very act of like observing someone to engage in that, I think increases your proclivity to do it yourself and also increases the tools by which you can like try and explore that yourself once you, once you get started with it. Um, so yeah, those are like a couple, a couple of tips I have. Yeah. No. And like, I, I think if you look at any successful person, they are hyper self-aware because they're constantly doing that reflection. Like don't take our word for it. Like take the word of all of these other individuals who put out remarkable memoirs, uh, individuals who have led remarkable lives, accomplished tremendous things. Um, me, I said, I wasn't going to do this, but I, I want to tie it back to the meaning of life. Cause this is a big question that people always ask. Um, and I really, really love Viktor Frankl's framework for it. So I'm, uh, I'm going to pull a quote from him uh, from Man's Search for Meaning, which is also a foundational work, an incredible book, highly recommend. He said, quote, ultimately, man should not ask what the meaning of his life is, 
but rather must recognize that it is he who is asked. In a word, each man is questioned by life, and he can only answer to life by answering for his own life. To life, he can only respond by being responsible. So it's a little wordy. It's a little exclusive. I know he only says he here, but let's just abstract that out to any individual reading this. But essentially, he's saying that what is the meaning of life is not a question that we ask of life. It is a question that life demands of us, right? We had to forge that meaning for ourselves. We weren't all just thrown in this world to do something special, right? As much as we want to assume that, you know, we're the main character of a movie, we're going to go save the world from a nuclear threat or whatever it may be, or zombies, right? Like whatever your favorite scenario is here. We have to engage in that act of exploration so that we can find out what are the things that we're really good at and what are the things that we can really offer to the world, right? The 80,000 hours movement is also an incredible resource, an incredible career resource that I've been exploring more recently. Their entire mission is to help you find how to make the most amount of impact in the world through your career. Because we have roughly 80,000 hours to spend in our career, right? If you look at that objectively, we will spend more time engaging in our career than we will in any other aspect of our life there. So that provides us the most opportunistic avenue to enact that impact that we want to. I think like a lot of us would love to do that, right? To lead a, lead a life where we've positively impacted at least the life of one other person. But if we are empowered and we can find the tools to 10x or 100x that impact, so not only just an individual, but maybe a country, maybe a world, that would be the, the best way to lead a life, to lead a life that is in servitude of others. This is a little sidetracked from essentialism again, but like essentialism pays a, plays a key component in getting to that point. By saying no to the, the right things and saying yes to the right things, right? Increasing that signal to noise ratio, you can have tremendous impact. You will do brilliant stuff and you will lead a life that you are proud of and ultimately be happy with. So that's my little tirade for the episode there. Dude, that was a beautiful tirade. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. I've been exploring 8,000 hours for a while now. I was first introduced to it to like effective altruism yeah. uh, when I was working on Tesla and I like met some guy on Stanford campus and like he like pitched the shit out of it to me. And I was like, damn, this is sick. Like, I got to get into this. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, looking towards that 80,000 hours and time that back to essentialism, it has to be something that's focused, right? If you're doing like a million things and you're always switching things and you're always context switching and you're never like developing the learnings that eventually snowball into, you know, actual ability, then you will not be able to like make that impact that you want in those 80,000 hours. So I think that's really, really important. Um, before we end off this episode, I actually had, I had a question for you. I think a lot of the times we get enamored in, you know, opportunities people accept and like, you know, the big yeses in life, like, oh, she said yes, like marriage, right? Like fucking accepting a job, like getting into a school. I want to hear what's been the most powerful no you've ever, you've ever put out there. Like what's one time you said no, and that's like completely fucking changed your life. Um, this is something that's a little more regretful. This is one of the darker times of my life. Um, I actually had a friend many years ago, and uh, he was telling me about Bitcoin and he was, you know, like harping on it and just espousing it very heavily. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what, what is a virtual currency? Like, what, like, what is all of this? Right. 
And I kind of dismissed it. I'm like, okay, well, this guy's kind of crazy. He doesn't really know what he's talking about. And of course, that has been um, a very regretful no that I've um, unfortunately had to say in my life. Because had I gotten uh, uh, had I gotten into Bitcoin at that stage when he told me to, I don't know if this podcast would be here. I don't know where I'd be. Maybe I'd be uh, chiefing it up with Obama or you know many of the other crypto billionaires it's sad but you know what no, it's wait, i'm gonna re-ask you this question i want to hear i want to hear something positive bro the whole point is promoting people to say no i don't want to hear about no bitcoin regret everyone has that <laughs> come on come on bro you can do uh, a positive no i mean i i think there was a, a period actually not too long ago um a couple months ago like i was just burning out so severely like i was doing mm-hmm. Uh, between like a full-time master's program, working essentially full-time hours, um, working on a couple side projects, I literally had no time for myself. And um, it got to a point where like, yeah, I was doing a lot, sure. And on the surface, it looks like I'm doing cool things, like I'm objectively moving forward. It felt like I was actually holding myself back though, because I wasn't doing everything that I was super passionate about. And that really tore me apart and i think that's where i really learned the value of essentialism because at that point i was like yo i I cannot do any more than i'm doing right now cool projects will be cool projects and shiny object syndrome is real and i know i suffer from it but there was a point where like yeah somebody came up to me with um with an offer for like a new project to take on like just another side project um it looked pretty cool but i just couldn't do it so that at that point there was like a shifting there was a shifting point an inflection point i started saying no to more things i started actually getting my life under control finally i was starting to sleep more sleep better and get my fitness in check too so if it weren't for that then i honestly i don't know i'd just be a skeleton right now just a, a skeleton of a human being honestly unfortunately i don't have any like incredible revelations when it comes to this it's just kind of smaller nose that have proved to be good choices um, but nothing grandiose other than like the regretful Bitcoin. So what about you? Yeah. Okay. Wait, I did not take that time to think about what it, what it might have been. <laughs> I was listening very intensely. Um, well, first off, yeah, I, I think that's very important. And like, it's, it's hard with the nose because it's like, you don't know what could have been. So it's mm-hmm. like, what if you had said yes, maybe you, you would have like burnt the shit out and like not completed your master's program and like, you know, a bunch mm-hmm. of other things. So like, yeah, I think that's a good no. that's a big no i think like a big no is like like leaving spacex for me like just wasn't and it goes back to the idea of burnout like i like really believed in the mission and i really enjoyed like working there but i don't think it was like something that was sustainable for me in the long run Mm -hmm. and it wasn't exactly what i wanted to dedicate my life to in terms of like not just like my life as in my work life the eighty thousand hours aspect of it but also just my life as a human being like what I wanted to get out of life as a human being, the kind of person I wanted to be, the kind of friends I wanted to have and the kind of things I wanted to do with my time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I wasn't a good brother anymore. I wasn't a good son. Like I wasn't a good friend. And like those things like matter to me a lot. And it's a part of who I am as a human being. So that knows like leaving and, you know, come to the Bay was like very, very important to me. Cause I think I'm able to like express those access to myself, like much, much better. Um, so yeah, that was a very powerful no. Um, yeah and you appreciate yourself yeah. more for it too the relationship yeah. piece is huge like people don't realize how much the relationships start to suffer when they get to that point but yeah other people Speaking can tell which, that i'm calling my mom after this dude i've been putting off a call with her for a long time and i 
I think it'd be best if I called this. So yeah, thank you. Thanks for that little wake up call. Yeah, no, I'm glad. Hopefully it's a beautiful call. I'm sure your mom is going to be thrilled to talk to you. See you. Oh, absolutely. Right? And it's rare that I call her, you know, I feel like it's always parents calling you. Yeah. But you know, call your parents sometimes. They don't make them feel good. It's like, yeah. you want to talk to them, you know? I mean, they've done a lot for you probably. Exactly. So. Yeah. I think so. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. Good place to, to conclude there. So we've kind of went all over the place, meaning life, essentialism, passion, exploration, but mm-hmm. they all tie in together. And essentialism is oftentimes the, that atomic building block of all of these other things. So start focusing on the things that bring you the most amount of value in life. And uh, whatever I said in the beginning, you know, essentially it's essential to be an essentialist or something. Yes, like that. sir. Yeah, no, perfect definition. And yeah, as we leave this episode, I challenge you, if you're listening to take a minute to like say no to something this week. <laughs> No, like legit, just say no to something. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what that means for you, but like tap into like what the things that are giving you joy and like maybe you get an invite somewhere. Maybe you, maybe it's not even an invite. Maybe it's no to like sleeping in, bro. Like whatever it is, mm-hmm. whatever your vice is, whatever something that you've been meaning to, you know, say no to, say no to it and see how it feels. And I think it'll feel good for you. So. Say no to being less because you can be more and you can make today that day that you become. Holy. Holy, going that. Dwayne the Rock Jaw. It's, <laughs> it's about drive. It's about essentialism. Yes, sir. Cool. All right. Perfect way to end the episode. Thank you for listening. If you listen this far, you're a real, real one. And have a good we day. Good luck you. saying no. Yeah. yeah. Ciao. If you like the episode, follow us on Spotify and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Our website was built by Face Solutions, logo designed by Charmeni, and music by Wonderly Music. Thank you for listening.